and it reads as follows. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more... Are you not of more value than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life, his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Father, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to meet together, uh, to read the Bible, um, to hear from you, uh, to hear the words of Jesus. Um, Father, his words often conflict with our ideas of what life should be like. His words don't often sit well with us. His words don't often feel like the the solution to our issues. Um, But even as we sang, Father, uh, may we continue, uh, may we be brought to a place where we see the emptiness of what we believe in uh, and turn to him as Lord and as King. And I pray that he would take control over our lives. I pray for someone who's not a Christian, uh, that tonight they would hear and turn their eyes upon Jesus. Uh, This we pray in his name and for our good. Amen. Uh, Now, I think there has been so many things happening at the moment. Uh, So many things uh, like our economy collapsing um, like the load shedding that's uh, hitting us day in and day out. And to make matters worse, we have the coronavirus uh, that is uh, plaguing um, our world. And the hype on social media uh, is, um, I think, if I were to describe it, is that of fear. Fear and worry, I think, would be the thing that uh, describes us at, uh, at the moment. Uh, if we were uh, to just dig deep into how we feel as Midrand and how we feel as the world, I think that word worry uh, would be key in categorizing um, our emotions. Now, there's this thing called a, an emotion wheel. Uh, so that's um, to help those of us who can't actually pin down their emotions. Uh, it's a wheel that has so many different emotions and feeling, anxiety, um, it, it has so many uh, things, uh, and it explains more what anxiety would look like. I think if we were to pick, this is the emotion that um, uh, defines us on that emotion wheel. Um, it would be uh, that um, of anxiety, 
uh, of being unsure, being unsafe, and not knowing what the future, future holds. I think for me, if I were to be honest, my greatest fear is uh, coronavirus getting any of my kids. God forbid that happens. But I, I'm thinking, man, I, I don't want to lose uh, any of this. Imagine uh, if this virus that we don't know about uh, just um, attacks uh, any of those. I think that is my biggest nightmare. Um, so tonight we, we're thinking, we've been working with Jesus in the streets of Midrand. If, we were, if he were to be here, what would he say to those worries? But tonight we're focusing specifically on the worry uh, that, con- that, that has to do with money. When it comes to our possessions and money uh, in this current climate, what would Jesus say um, to us? Uh, does he actually uh, care? I think if I were to hang out uh, with him, uh, let's go to where Casabella in um, Mall of Africa, they have the best steak ever. Um, they grill it nicely uh, with um, pepper. Uh, my word. If you, if you have a bonus at the end of the year, go to Casabella and buy the 210 rand steak, right? It is delicious. Um, Jesus, we're hanging out there. We're drinking wine. Uh, Jesus would have drank wine. Um, I don't drink wine, but uh, the Lord is here. We're hanging out. <laughs> Um, Jesus, do you actually care um, about um, our, our, our concerns? Do you know what it feels like, Jesus, um, to get to the end of the month and you open your fridge and there's only water in the fridge and the dry onion? Do you know what that feels like, um, Jesus? Um, do you know what it feels like to be told by your company that, hey, uh, things are not going that great? We might have to cut down uh, on some few people and you know that they might cut you. Jesus, do you know what it feels like um, to get to January and feel like, man, is Nefsa's going to come through? Because if they don't come through, my parents will not afford university and I'll be, I'll be stuffed. I can't continue um, with my studies. Do you, do you care, Jesus? Well, of course I care Jesus uh, would respond to us uh, because um, in our passage this evening, he addresses this issue of worrying. And this is what he has to say in verse 25. If you still have your Bible open, please keep your Bible open to Matthew chapter 6. This is what Jesus says uh, in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than, more than clothing? And Jesus looks at his disciples and the crowds that he was speaking to, and he's telling them, he's talking to them about what the kingdom of God is about. And he outlines for them what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him. And on this particular section, he speaks about worry. Listen to that, the NIV puts it. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I wonder what you would think and what would be going on in your mind as Jesus uh, is sitting there saying these things. Um, Is he giving you a sense of assurance? Does it feel like he actually understands uh, what he's talking about? Now, um, those who teach us to read the Bible say that whenever you see a therefore, you must ask yourself, what is it therefore? Okay, what is the therefore? Therefore, 
What is it doing there? Uh, it's funny, it's weird to start a sentence with, therefore I tell you. Um, what does it, what is it actually doing there? It's normally connected to something uh, before, something that was said before. It's normally a conclusion of, of something that was said before. And in, in our case, Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 to 24, which is what we saw last week. If you've missed that, you can catch that on our website. Jesus is basically dealing with our hearts uh, and the things that our hearts love. And what we heard last week is that Jesus says, you cannot love two things at once. You cannot love God uh, and money. Uh, and he encourages his disciples um, to be generous. And in that regard, uh, verse 24, listen to what it says. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Um, do not worry. Uh, he's, concluding, he's concluding what he was saying about our devotion um, to money. Uh, and clearly, anxiety has something to do with us saving money rather than God. Clearly, the devotion to God has implications with how you and I deal with worry. The word there for worry means be preoccupied with, be concerned with uh, something. Uh, in this case, uh, Jesus tells us uh, to not be concerned about the, the stuff, um, the stuff that we'll wear, the stuff that we'll eat and drink, uh, and he's going to give us reasons as to why he says that. And this evening, we're going to see three different underlying beliefs uh, that you and I have uh, that Jesus addresses here. So three underlying beliefs that you and I uh, struggle with, uh, that when Jesus says, do not worry, we, we can't fathom that. Uh, it doesn't make sense to us uh, because, of course, we should be worried. Of course, we should be concerned about money. How can you say that, Jesus? How can you say, tell us not to be anxious? Uh, so three underlying beliefs that we're going to look at. Uh, the first one being that um, we worry because often we believe that this life is all there is. Uh, so that's the first underlying belief. We truly believe uh, that this world is all there is, uh, and therefore that brings us to worry. And I'm going to explain a bit what we mean by that. The second belief is that we believe that God does not care. God doesn't care about us, therefore we worry. And Jesus is going to address that. Uh, the third belief is that God is not in control. Okay, maybe he's there, maybe he cares, but... Perhaps he is not in control. Perhaps he doesn't know what he's doing uh, or he's not powerful enough uh, to control our situation or to intervene in our situation. Therefore, we worry. We have to, have to worry. Now, there's a guy called uh, Brian Chappell. Uh, he teaches New Testament and he teaches um, homiletics, which is the uh, science of preaching. Um, what he says is that every single passage of the Bible has a fallen condition focus. I'm going to explain what he means by that. A fallen condition focus means that every time you and I come to Scripture, um, the Bible is calling us uh, to the opposite of what you and I are living or believing. Okay, let me further explain what I mean by that. Uh, when the Bible speaks about hope and Christians having hope during their morning, 
it means that there's something fallen in the condition of a believer uh, that makes them to not see the hope that they have in Jesus. There's something fallen in us when the Bible tells us that God loves us uh, that fails to understand that love. Therefore, the Bible needs to remind us that Jesus loves us, that God is our Father. Uh, That is the fallen condition focus. Uh, There's something fallen in us when it comes to our handling of money or our sexual relations when we behave in ways that God has not called us to. And the Bible addresses those fallen condition focus. Um, What is it in Latin? What's What's the plural of focus? Focus, foci. <laughs> it's uh, you guys. Um, are you guys with me? Are you alive? Are you studying Latin at school? Is it even a Latin word? Okay, the different um, fallen condition focuses that Jesus is going to address uh, this um, this uh, evening. Basically, there's something fallen in us uh, that believes uh, things about God. Uh, that are not true of him. Uh, the first one is that we believe um, about God and about the world that we live in, that this life is all there is. And notice what Jesus is saying um, uh, in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Listen to this. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That last clause there is targeting a fallen condition focus, something that is fallen in us that you and I struggle to comprehend. Uh, you and I are born into this world, uh, and often if we are influenced by materialism, uh, which is a philosophy uh, that is imported from the West that we consume in our TV screens that tells us that this life is all there is. Uh, you must make the best of it. There's no heaven. There's no hell. There's no consequence for our sins. In fact, there is no God. And if there is no God, then you have to put your chips all in in this world. Do you guys understand that phrase of putting your chips? If you're playing poker and you think you have a good hand, you put your chips in there uh, and you try to get everyone's money. Uh, you and I put our chips uh, all in uh, saying we believe Man, this life um, is all there is. There is no heaven. Uh, there is no hell. If you can't prove it in a lab, then it probably does not exist. Um, that is um, a belief uh, that has gone on for centuries uh, where people believe uh, that there is uh, no God. And I think the more you believe in that, the more you believe there is no God, guess what you do? You and I tend to other things to replace God in our lives, isn't it? Uh, we tend to money to and say to money, listen, you are going to be our God. You're going to sort out all our problems, all of our anxieties. And guess what? Money is a terrible boss uh, because it will continue to say, no, you need to serve me more and more and more. You need to work harder, get some more of me. You need to be worried and grind hard, hustle so that you can get money uh, and so that you can get a lot of it because the more of this God you have, uh, the more secure you're going to feel. Because after all, there is no God. This is my God. Therefore, I have to accumulate. I have to sacrifice to this God uh, so that he uh, can save me. That, that is what you and I do. If there is no God, then we turn to something else to fill that void. Uh, and often that void is filled uh, with money. And marketers know this, don't they? They, they know this uh, quite well. Uh, you get a ring um, from a number that you don't know. 
uh, from a person that you don't know. Hi, can I speak with so-and-so? And you know that conversation is going south, isn't it? They're going to sell you something that you didn't know that you needed uh, at that very point in life. You didn't know that you needed extra, uh, extra gigs uh, on your cell phone, but they will tell you uh, to do so. Um, insurance companies also do this, and they use fear to entice you. Um, let me say I have life insurance. It's, it's a good thing to have. You can have too much life insurance where you overinsured because you're trying to cover this thing and that thing, dread disease. Oh, God forbid uh, if you get a disease that incapacitates you. God forbid if you are disabled and you're not insured. And they use that word. God forbid, what if you were to die? And your children, what are your children going to do? Uh, and so they entice you to get more and more life uh, life cover. It's a good thing to have life cover, um, but not to the point where we are squeezing every cent trying to protect ourselves, trying to worship this uh, God of money uh, in hopes uh, that even uh, when we die, we'll still be in control. We'll still use our life insurance uh, to make sure uh, that this life goes on. That is what life insurances do. Um, now, most of the examples I gave were of poor people, People who are struggling, um, those are the ones who are worried only, is it? Not really. Um, everybody is worried. And in fact, if you read Luke chapter 12, verse 15, please turn there with me. And Jesus addresses this very issue uh, and he quotes um, or he teaches on this particular uh, uh, matter. And this is a story that he tells before he says, do not worry. Verse 15, chapter 12, it's page 871. Chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my supply, surplus grain. And I shall say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself. Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Uh, Jesus tells the story of this man who was rich. If he stayed in Midrand, uh, he'll probably be staying in waterfall estates or um, those uh, Blue Hills uh, country estates or um, Caswell North estates. He's doing well. There's nothing wrong with staying in those places. Uh, those are cool places to stay in. Uh, he's doing well in life. Uh, he works well. Um, if you want to visit him, you have to go through the estate gate. Now, those estates are fancy. You can't just walk in there. Uh, you need a blood sample. Uh, and I'd <laughs> You don't really. Um, but they are strict about it. They sell you the life. Uh, some of them are golf estates. Uh, this lifestyle of uh, just comfort. Uh, and um, there's no thieves because there's guys patrolling there. It's nice. It's like heaven on earth. Um, also, it promises us. Uh, but this guy, there's nothing wrong uh, with that. Uh, his work is going well. His sanitizer business is booming. 
um, because now of coronavirus, so he's making millions. His net worth uh, is up the up the roof. And FNB is calling him and asking him if he wants to be their private uh, private client. Now he thinks to himself, "Man, I have this much money. What am I gonna do?" Okay, I know what I'm gonna do. Um, I'll just uh, sell my business uh, and then invest in the in uh, the stock market to see just what's working, and then I'll retire or just as I hit 40, go off to Mklanga and live my best life. Wouldn't that be a dream? And yet God says, "You fool!" Now, fool is someone in the Bible. It's someone who lives their life as if there is no God. A fool says in his heart, "There is no God," and that is what. A fool is. Uh, don't you know that this very night your life will be demanded from you? Now, was there anything wrong with this man's possession? Um, I think the point of this story that Jesus tells is this desire for more and more and more. Even when you have the basic things of life, you just want to accumulate more and more and more. And that brings about worries, uh, that brings about uh, stress, because you're just hoping. Uh, for more. You just um, notice what he says there in verse, verse 15. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not con- consist in an abundance of possessions. This is what this guy believed. My life is worth it if I have lots of stuff, if I have more and more. Have a look at verse 22 what Jesus says. The very same words he says in in Matthew. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, and about your body, what you will wear. That's what Jesus says um, to his disciples. It's not life more than food, or your body more um, more than clothing. Now those who study the Bible more than I do, say that the words of the Greek there, um, they, they demand for us. So you know when someone asks you a rhetorical question, uh, when someone asks you a question that requires a yes, uh, the way the sentence is structured, structured here in verse 25, uh, the question is supposed to be answered with yes. Of course, life is more than food. Of course, life is more than um, our clothing. It is a positive answer. So we can probably read it as follows. Surely life is bigger than food and clothes. And yes, it did, indeed, it is. And as we read the story of the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus proves to us uh, that indeed life is better than the food that we consume uh, because Jesus shows us that there is more to life than you, what you and I can um, can see in this life. In fact, there is consequence after death. He came back to life and he calls those who believe in him uh, and he, he promises them that he will raise them up again. That is what it means to be part of God's kingdom, that you and I, the remedy to our disbelief, the remedy to this life is all there is, is we look to the resurrection and figure out that actually uh, life is more than our possessions. What a hard truth. Well, it's simple to understand, isn't it? But it's hard to put in practice in our lives uh, because we have this fallen condition uh, that we honestly believe that this life is all there is. Uh, But you may still be there and thinking, man, I don't think Jesus understands me. And this brings us to our second point. Um, So often we we worry because we believe that God does not care. Maybe there is God, maybe there is more to life than uh, all that we see. 
But perhaps this God who is there is up there and he doesn't really care about um, stuff that we do here. All that he does is that he comes to uh, scold us, you know, like those irresponsible absent fathers uh, who come. They're just there on their newspaper. If you do anything wrong, that's when they intervene. I went, stop doing that. Um, that's often a view of God, isn't it? He doesn't exist. He only comes to punish us. He's not involved in the affairs um, of our world. Uh, maybe he is out there. Uh, perhaps he doesn't, he doesn't care. Um, but listen to what Jesus says in verse 31. Therefore, again, he says, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32, the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Now, who are the Gentiles? Well, Gentiles are those who are outside of a relationship with God. Gentiles are those who had funny beliefs about gods that they would sacrifice to. Gentiles are those who were not part of the, the family of God, um, Jewish, um, the Jewish nations, people who didn't have a proper relationship uh, with God. But listen to what Jesus says. Um, if you are a Christian, you've moved from that way of life, that way of thinking. God is your father now. And listen to what he says about God. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your heavenly father knows the stuff that you need. What a truth to embrace uh, for us uh, in this time. I mean, I just think about that for a minute. Think about the nature of this God who created everything, who knows everything, who's in control of everything. Uh, this God who's most powerful, uh, Jesus calls him your heavenly father. If you are a Christian this evening, he's your father, your heavenly father. Just picture that for a moment. Who's the most powerful man in the universe? You can talk to me. Thanos. Who? Thanos. Thanos is a fictional character. I think he died, so it doesn't count. Um, who's the most powerful? Please don't say Trump. The guy who put Trump in power, allegedly, Vladimir. Uh, the, the president of Russia himself, that guy, I watch videos of him. He looks mean. He's ripped. Sometimes he would walk with um, just his horse, um, like, shed off, and I'm like, that's the president. This president doesn't have an escort uh, around him. He goes and pours petrol for himself. How gangster is that? There's a video of him on YouTube where he goes to talk to corrupt government officials, and you can see as, as he comes in, they're trembling. And he's like, you and you, we're going to take this company away from you. There's nothing you can do. We gave you this mandate. You didn't fulfill your promise. Done. That's it. He's powerful. Um, and I think the world fears him. There's one video of Putin explaining how the missiles work. Now, like, for me, I'm just like, wow, like a missile can kill a lot of people. And he's speaking about it like, yeah, like we, we got control here. We can uh, navigate these missiles and they can bomb anyone. This is the most powerful man in the world, I think. Now, Vladimir Putin has two kids. Their names are Maria and Katerina. Those kids can do things uh, to him that you and I would be shot if we were seen doing. If you and I would walk up to him at night and wake him up, or to even get close to his door, I'm sure we would be shot. Uh, but for those kids, they can go to him, wake him up at night and say, Daddy, can I please have a glass of water? 
Now, Putin is nothing in comparison to our God. Our God is bigger than him. Uh, to him, Putin is just a blob in human history. But this very God, um, this very God will be called our Father. Can you wrap your mind around that? And this God, our Father, who's more powerful than anything, he cares about what you and I need. I wonder if you believe that. Do you believe that God cares about you, in your worries, uh, in your uncertainties, that he actually cares. Verse 33, Jesus says, if that's the truth, uh, then we must seek first the kingdom. This is what he tells to his disciples, and its righteousness on all these things will be added to you. Be concerned about the kingdom and not about the stuff that you are going to have or not going to have. Um, how do we seek the kingdom? Well, Verses 19 to 24 tells us it is when we are generous that we seek the kingdom. It's when we um, don't place our all in all in, in, in money. That is how we seek the kingdom. Have a look at verse 34 about our worries. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Our African teacher used to say, Mephro Kirsten from Boshuk, uh, she used to say, students, uh, make sure that you don't borrow from tomorrow, time wasted today. I'll never forget those words. Um, don't borrow from tomorrow, time wasted today. Um, study now. That's a good advice for you, a student. Uh, don't borrow from tomorrow, time wasted today. Don't say, I'll do such and such tomorrow if you can do it today. Um, but when it comes to money, Jesus flips it uh, on its head. Uh, he tells us the opposite, that when it comes to, to worry, why worry today when you can worry tomorrow? Don't worry. Don't worry. Worry tomorrow. And the idea here is that tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow you worry tomorrow. You know those um, statements at my friend's shop? Um, my friend, for those who don't know, uh, uh, is guys who sell stuff in the, in the township. They have this statement that says, if you want credit, come tomorrow. And guess what? If you come tomorrow, that same statement will be there. If you want credit, come tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. And in this case, uh, Jesus says, why worry today if you can push it to tomorrow? And tomorrow never comes. Uh, our Heavenly Father knows what we need. Therefore, we don't have to worry. We'll worry tomorrow. Uh, we'll push it um, to tomorrow. So that's the second thing. Uh, God is our Father. God actually cares and he knows the stuff that we need. That goes against our underlying belief. That goes against what you and I treasure at heart. The third thing and last thing is that perhaps he cares, but he is not in control. And that's where Jesus spends most of his time. He takes us and he gets us to look around at nature and see that God is powerful and he is in control. This same God who cares about you is in control. Have a look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Surely if God cares about birds that are here uh, and they're gone tomorrow, surely if he cares about that, uh, then he cares so much more 
about you. Just observe the birds in Midrand here. Come to the school here um, during bird season. Forgot when that is. Um, but sometimes there's birds just lying on the field there, and if you walk to them, they just fly off. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, have you ever considered, have you ever thought about this thing, that those birds don't go to work? They don't hustle like you and I hustle. They don't have nice fridges to put their food in. But guess what? Life goes on and they are provided for. And guess who provides for them? Our Heavenly Father, Jesus says. Notice what he doesn't say. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet their Heavenly Father feeds them. Is that what he says? No, yet your heavenly father, uh, this father who is powerful, who cares about you, who knows you by name, uh, this father cares about them and he feeds them. They're, they're less, they're insignificant. How much more your life? How much more does God care about you? He goes on to say, let's observe a bit, verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Um, Jesus says, one day when you have money, take a trip down to the Northern Cape. Is it the Northern Cape where Namakwaland is? I think so. Uh, that province where nothing happens. Um, take a trip down there. And go around July, August, towards the end of July, and see the beauty of it. It is the most beautiful thing, I'm told. I've never been there. I've seen the, the, the pictures on, online. Namakwaland is beautiful with wildflowers that grow um, along the fields. Nobody waters those things. Nobody takes care of them. But they're more beautiful than the Maslow Hotel in Santin, Jesus says. Who takes care of those um, it is your heavenly father. Surely if he takes care of those flowers, he should um, consider your life. He should be um, taking care of your life. And listen to what Jesus says. Uh, in fact, if you still don't believe that, verse 27, what, what, worry does, um, what, what does worry bring to your life? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? How many of us, by worrying, can add a single hour to our lives. Well, none of us. In fact, the, the commentators say that that's a funny saying. Jesus is almost, they don't know whether he's saying, if you worry, how many of you can add height to you? How many of you can grow taller by just worrying? Um, or how many of you can add a single hour to his life um, by worrying? Either of those translations, uh, points us to the, how ridiculous our worries are. It is ridiculous um, to keep on worrying. God is in control. And I wonder if we believe that. I was talking to a friend of mine and asked him, like, what, what does worry look like to you? And he said, well, it feels like I'm not in control. We worry because we feel like we're not in control. I got thinking, man, what was the time where I felt when do I feel most in control? Not like not in control. Um, I think it has to be when somebody else is driving and 
they're not driving that well, and I'm sitting on the passenger seat. seat. By the way, there's many of you I've, uh, <laughs> I've driven with, but one of them um, is Reggie. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that Reggie is a bad driver or a reckless driver. I'm just like, I feel like I should be the one driving. Um, so seven years ago, myself and Reggie were getting our licenses. We were excited. Um, we got an instructor here from church. Um, we were using my wife's car back then, which became my car when I married her. Um, I was smart. <laughs> Guys, you must be smart. Marry someone with a car. Ne? Yeah. Anyway, um, so we're driving, right? Um, we went to Omonde there. We failed our test, came back to Midrand. <laughs> tested again and again. We knew they wanted uh, bribe money. Uh, we're not going to pay the money. Um, so we kept on going and going. Um, I got my license before Reggie, and then so it means I could drive with him uh, in the Leonard seat, um, and then I was in the passenger seat. But Reggie had this confidence about him that I was just overconfident for my liking. Um, he would drive like this, um, if you know K53, you ought to drive like this. Um, so Reggie would um, brake just before like certain cars, and I would feel like, oh, my word, we're crashing. And it was this uh, uncomfortable feeling that, man, I wish I was in the driver's seat. In fact, you start um, pedaling um, uh, in your mind. Now, there's a, there's a YouTube video of, it's a prank. This is professional driver. Um, he, she goes off and she poses as a learner driver. Uh, and she sits in on the driving seat with this instructor. This instructor looks at her. She looks nerdy, glasses on. Uh, she's holding the steering like that. You know how uh, people who are learning to drive hold it. Um, and she looks like she can't drive. As she tries to drive off. She's like, this is my first time. I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, the car, you know, it does that thing when you're starting to learn to drive uh, where it switches off uh, because you, you, you don't know what you're doing. You, you can't balance well. And then she does that. She, as she drives, she goes on and out of the road and back in. Um, but remember, she's a professional driver. At the end of it, it's like it's hopeless. This instructor says, man, you need a lot of lessons. You can't drive for Jack. Now, this lady stops. It's close to a, those spinning, those drifting areas. She boards the car. She revs it and starts to spin this car. Now, this instructor is thinking to himself, this lady can't drive. What is she doing? So she spins, and these guys are, they feel like they're not in control. They hold on to their seats. They hold on to their roof. Oh, my word, it's about to go down. I'm about to die. And as they walk out of the car, they like, you nearly killed me. And they just like furious. Why did you do that? You nearly killed me. Um, yeah, she reveals that she's actually a professional driver. Uh, she knows what she's doing. She's a better driver than this passenger. Um, she's good at what she does. I think very often you and I, when it comes to God, we don't realize that. Um, that as he takes the wheel of our life, uh, he's actually in control. He actually knows how to drive better. We are like those guys who think that this is a learner driver. we like, oh, my God, holding on for dear life. What's going to happen? Is God in control? But he is the master uh, driver. 
You and I are so used to being the drivers in our own lives. We're so used to doing things our own way that we fail to do, to, to remember that we're sitting next to a professional driver. He knows what he's doing. Amen. Uh, he knows your life. He knows my life. Now let's take comfort in the fact that when he's in charge, um, he actually carries us. Um, one pastor says, when we worry, we are saying that I know the way my life is supposed to go, and God's not getting it right. God is not driving properly. I know how to do this thing. I know how to drive. I don't know what he's doing. I know where I'm supposed to go. And that's what happens when we worry. But this evening, Jesus would remind us that he cares. He's in control. Um, and not only that, that this life uh, is, that there's more to it than what you and I can see and touch. And we can tend to him because this Jesus uh, experienced everything that you and I experience. Uh, so when we say that he cares, he actually cares. He cares to a point that he came to this world. He lived this world. Um, he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, but he was without sin. And he went there uh, to the cross uh, to purchase your life and my life. He died for us, uh, this God. He's trustworthy, isn't it? How many people can die for you? This Jesus shows you that he cares to the point of dying at death on the cross. And when we look at his cross, when you look at what he has done for us, if we ever fail to understand that Jesus loves us, God loves us in Jesus, that he cares about our worries, well, look at that cross. Look at that cross. Amen. I'm going to pray for us that um, God will help us um, as we go into our different places to chew on this word, um, to digest it, uh, and that it may be life to us. Father, thank you so much um, that as we look around, we can see uh, the power of um, your hand. Um, we thank you that this Jesus is the image of the invisible God, um, that in him all things were created, um, that he sustains the universe. Often we think that we can do a better job, and I, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to repent from that thinking, uh, that you would help us to trust him uh, more and more with our lives, that we may understand that he is the better driver. Uh, he's the one uh, who is in control, and when he is in control, uh, things tend to, to flourish. So please help us in our worries. I pray for somebody who's here or who's listening, uh, who's worried about losing their job, uh, who's worried about being a single mother, who's worried about their studies and being able to fund that, uh, I pray that you would give all of us a sense of um, comfort, a sense of security. But I do pray, above all, that we would seek your kingdom, that we would seek to be generous wherever you've placed us, whether it's with our family members, uh, with the people who work for us, um, or here at church, I pray that you'd make us people who do not uh, hold tightly to uh, their money and possessions, but that we would give generously to the flourishing of your kingdom here on earth um, as it will be in heaven. This we pray in your name and for our good. Amen.